Welcome to A Christian and a Buddhist Walk Into a Bar. My name is Jamal and I am a Buddhist. I'm Jacob and I am a Christian. Uh, and I am feeling filled with uh, with prosperity and wealth today, Jacob. That's excellent because it's your round. Oh, really? Cool. That's fine. <laughs> you know what? I'm fine with that. I, I'm very happy to to share my wealth uh, abundantly. It's, it, it's what brings me joy in the world. Excellent. Then we have nothing more to talk about. Great. Well done. I, I, I've learnt the true the true meaning of Christmas, right? Something like that. Something, yes, something, yes something. I am the ghost of Jacob wants a beer. <laughs> yeah, uh, this, this is this is where unfortunately we break the uh, we break the, the the sad sad truth that we are not actually in a bar. Uh, as much as we wish, I, so all right. He, he, here's a call. Out. We we are never, um, you know, we, we vowed never to ask for money on this podcast and never to like, you know, set up advertising to <laughs> try Jamal and get it. But Jamal is now about to ask for. I, I sense where this is going. No, I'm not going to ask for money. I'm going to say that I have some friends who run a podcast, and their listeners donated them a very very nice microphone that allows them to actually record in a bar. <laughs> now I'm going to posit here that the quality of this podcast would improve <laughs> if we actually were able to record in a bar with all the equipment that wouldn't mean the sound would go completely haywire and terrible. Um, so if anybody, and if you want to test this if theory, you want to test the theory <laughs> and anybody wants to listen to Christian Buddhist in actual bar, um, I need a mic probably cost about a thousand bucks, something, something like that. This is a great, start to an episode where we've got, we've got an article a sermon no less uh about wealth and riches and i mean i guess you're crying poor in exactly. a sense so yeah. we're, we're giving Absolutely people an opportunity poor. to to redistribute wealth marks would be pleased exactly right see yeah. see there you go um what, what, what's the sermon today we have, Jacob? So the sermon today comes to us from 4th century Greece, probably 368, the note up the top here says, by St. Basil the Great, which is like, that's nice, isn't it? Basil the Great, like if you're yeah. going to be called Basil, you might as well be the greatest. The great, Basil. the great Basil. Uh, the, the Christian bishop and later saint, not to be confused with Basil Brush, the British TV character. Okay, um, and not to be confused boom, with boom. Basil Faulty. <laughs> certainly, no, certainly quite a different character, I think, to, to Basil Faulty. Um, and it's called To the Rich, um, which he preached in Asia Minor when there was a big drought on there, and it's a sermon preached to the to the rich. He's um, He takes a test, the as his text, a young rich man who came to Jesus and said, good teacher, tell me, how do I get eternal life? And Jesus looked at him and with compassion and said, why are you calling me good? There's only one who's good. And then proceeds to tell him, keep all the commandments. So the young guy, I have kept all of the commandments ever since I was a lad. And, and Jesus turns around and said, to him, okay, so there's one thing that you've lacked. Uh, you need to go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. And the rich dude goes away sad because he has a lot of things. We don't actually know what happens to him afterwards. Does, so does he go away sad because he has too many things to sell or because he doesn't want to sell all his things? Well, generally, people have presumed the latter, that he doesn't want to sell all his things. No. Yeah, Not that it's going to be too much effort to sell yeah. all the things, although yeah. that, that might be part of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so what you're saying is Jesus' teaching is go and become a Buddhist monk and sell your possessions and just go and, and go and live in poverty. I mean, to be fair, like Christian monks were doing it first. Well, not, no, they weren't doing it first, but they were doing it from from pretty early on. Yeah, and, and, then, and then somehow we end up with the Vatican. But anyway, sidebar. Are you going to tell me that there's no ornate Buddhist temples? 
Uh, that they don't take donations, <laughs> that no one fixes the roofs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fair. Yeah. Point taken. Yeah. Um, all right. So I mean, I'll criticise the Vatican with the rest of them, but yeah, go on. <laughs> Sorry, tangent. <laughs> uh, back to the sermon. Yes. If you had to tell someone listening to this podcast who had not read the sermon three things about it, what right. would they be? Yeah. Um, the three things would be, number one, money sucks for you. Like just like the, for, like for Christians or just people in general. For I mean, for Christians, right? Like, right. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this idea that like you know this focus on money is going to just take you away from God, right? Like, yeah. that, that, that it's just going to like you know you're just going to end up just paying attention to the wrong things and that kind of stuff. And actually, you just just don't focus on money, right? Yep. It's kind of number one. Number two is like you know be the kind of person that is generous. You know, so if you hoard everything and go, well, I, I want to stash my money underground. I want to, you know, make sure I have all of this extra wealth. Um, then, you know, um, and you're not generous. You're not like giving it away. You're not, you know, handing it out to the poor and giving it to the poor, uh, the people in need. Then you're just, you're not living in line with the Christian teachings. So like the, 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 having money mm-hmm. that you don't need is kind of completely, um, is, is, is completely anti, anti-Christian. Right. Yeah. Um, and I mean, number three, I'd like to point out here that uh, Basil the Great invented uh, modern day finance by uh, referring to both liquid and fixed assets. <laughs> um, and, you know, and talking about, well, you know, liquid assets are things that are more than what you need and fixed assets are things that are what you need. And, you know, way ahead of his time here in terms of um, in, in terms of financial advice. Well, this was the thing, right? Like, so I, I read this several years ago now in a, in a collection of sermons that I just randomly mm. picked up one day. And I'm reading it and I'm like, hang on, 368 CE, yeah, right? Yeah, like, right. It, like, it feels... So modern in its critique of wealth and capitalism, um, and there's a there's a line here about um, hoarding. When wealth is dispersed, it stays put, but when it's held back, it's transferred to another. If you hoard your wealth, you won't keep it, but if you scatter it, you won't lose it. Mm. And he's not simply talking here about like the spiritual sense of you know store up treasure for yourselves in heaven, although there's a fair bit of that in the sermon but like what he means is that if you've got a heap of stuff you're going to not use it Mm. like you're going to end up with investment portfolios or burying it in the Mm. ground or buying a horse that you then need to pay someone to look after the horse and like you're not going to enjoy the wealth that you've got if you're just holding on to it whereas if you're giving it away to people you get the kind of constant joy of scattering it like well cuz like it, it takes like it takes energy and effort to accumulate and hold wealth right so you can't mm. possibly put in all the effort to accumulate and hold wealth at the same time as you're putting in effort to you know uh, enjoy the wealth, right? Like you can only do, you know, I mean, like the, the most basic calculation there is you can't be both at work and on holiday at the same time, <laughs> right? You know? Yeah. 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 So like, and that makes sense, right? And like, I, I mean, this is one of those things that I've always liked about Christianity, right? Which is that like more so than most other religions and and even Buddhism, I would say. Like Buddhism has a very strong poverty uh, a pro-poverty mindset when it comes to monastics. And mm-hmm. it's very much like a you should not be attached to things yourself and very much teaches you to give up your possessions and and to, to not you know be obsessed with money and that kind of thing. But it's very much in the pursuit of this enlightenment kind of thing. 
Christianity does this thing where it goes, no, the thing that is holy to do is to be generous, right? Yes. That that actually, you know, in Buddhism, it's good to be generous because that shows that you are you're closer to enlightenment yourself, and that's going to help you get to enlightenment. But actually, there's there's a holiness and a and a kind of a spirituality around generosity and around poverty and around, um, you know, essentially egalitarianism in yeah. Christianity that I think is, I mean, in the modern world, it's deeply radical. It's it's deeply anti-capitalist. It's it's like I would dare say almost communist. And it's you know, you know, it, it, it's it's a real thing that I see in Christianity that I that I've always been kind of impressed with. And I think it's not it's not so much that poverty is a virtue per se, but that generosity is. Mm. Um, and even this understanding of like I, I remember seeing a cartoon years ago um, for someone you know kind of begging on the streets and somebody gives to them a loaf of bread mm. and they grab the loaf of bread and split it in half and run down the street to this other beggar and give them half mm. the loaf, right? Like you can be generous even when things are really tight mm. for you, right? Like, yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 But there, there, there is a like my favorite line in any sermon that I've ever heard okay. ever. Uh, now you are obviously very far from having observed one commandment at least. This is a guy who says I've kept all the commandments ever since I was a boy, and you falsely swore that you had kept it, namely that you'd loved your neighbor as yourself. For see, the Lord's commandment proves you to be utterly lacking in real love. If what you'd claimed were true, that you've kept from your youth the commandment of love and have given to each person as much as to yourself, how has it come to you? this abundance of money for it takes wealth to care for the needy a little paid out for the necessity of each person you take on and all at once everything gets parceled out and is spent upon them thus the man who loves his neighbor as himself will have acquired no more than what his neighbor has whereas you visibly have acquired a lot where has this come from oh, like i just sick burn jesus sick it burn. is so good basil it's basil oh, Basil's so, <laughs> he's riffing on jesus right, to be yeah, fair yeah, yeah, credit yeah, where yeah, it's due yeah yeah, yeah. No, I, and, and I totally, I totally get that. Actually, so there's, there's a section in this I, I, I want to kind of almost read the whole of, if, if, if you don't mind. Yeah, yeah go for right. it. So this is um, part two. I don't know if these passages mean anything, but um, yeah, yeah. They're, they're kind of ten paragraphs. Right, yeah. So if you've got a copy at home, you can find us. Yeah. Uh, but how do you make use of money by dressing in expensive clothing? <laughs> Won't two yards of tunic suffice you, and the co covering of one coat satisfy all your need of clothes? But is it for food's sake that you have demanded for wealth? One bread loaf is enough to fill a belly. Why are you sad then? What have you been deprived of? The status that comes from wealth? But if you would stop seeking earthly status, you would then find the true resplendent kind that would conduct you into the kingdom of heaven. But your love is simply to possess wealth, even if you derive no help from it. Now, everyone knows that obsession, this is the most Buddhist thing ever. Everyone knows that obsession for a useless thing is mindless. Just so <laughs> what I'm going to say should seem to you no greater paradox. And it is utterly, absolutely true. When wealth is dispersed the way the Lord advises, it unnaturally stays put. When it is held back, it is transferred to another. Hoard it, you won't keep it. If you scatter it, you won't lose it. Yep. Yeah, what you said before. But yeah, like that line of um, obsession for a useless thing is mindless is just, you know, that, that's, that's Buddhism down to a T right there. And he goes on, I think, I don't think this translation has it in quite the, the way that I'm remembering, but to talk about gemstones, right? Mm. And like, look at them. They're pretty and shiny and isn't that nice? But they're completely useless. Yeah. Like, like, shouldn't you be embarrassed that you're covering yourself in stones and like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, all right. So, 
if this is so clearly the teachings of Christianity, right, which I think most at least traditional Christians wouldn't refute, mm-hmm. how come most people don't follow it? Like how, how come Christians aren't just, you know, constantly giving away their wealth? I mean, I know we have a lot of Christian charities and that kind of stuff and all that kind of thing, mm-hmm. but like, like, is it just the fact that people are just bad Christians or like, how, how does that, how does that work? I, I think fundamentally, right? right. <laughs> like it, it's just, it's, it's really difficult. Like this is, I mean, it, as a Buddhist, I think you would understand this about attachments, right? Like mm. we, we get really attached to bad things. We're also um, really good at kind of softening, dumbing down some of the teachings of Jesus that, we find particularly challenging. Mm. Um, so uh, one guy, historian and Christian apologist, um, John Dixon, uh, wrote a tweet a little while ago. If I can find it, we'll put it with the notes for this. Talking about, so studying medieval Christianity. Mm. And um, every year he, he kind of points out to his class that there's all this stuff in medieval Christianity and the Crusades and the you know the veneration of violence and all of that that we go and we go, yeah, that's not really good. But one thing that they did heaps of was just giving away wealth. Mm. And this was something that the Crusaders did and other, you know, if you're a knight at the time and blah, blah, blah. So gave away a lot of wealth, but also did the whole killing violence thing. And we look at that and we go, ah, oh, the killing violence thing, this is terrible. You're not following Jesus' teaching. And he says... But I worry sometimes that they would turn around and look at us and go, guys, the wealth, what are you doing? You're not mm. following Jesus' teaching, right? right. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah and I, I I, just, I feel like, and again, maybe it does just come down to the fact that people people are people and human needs and human interests often trump religious needs and religious interests, right? But I just I just feel like that message seems to have been lost somewhere, for, for particularly in the West, right? Particularly, mm-hmm. you know, we, we, you know, we'll call out the US, we'll call out Australia and, and Western Europe, right? But like, how does capitalism arise in a, you know, <laughs> how does this, a political and economic system that prioritizes the individual pursuit of their own wealth over the wealth of others, how does that even arise in a culture that is so ostensibly and deliberately Christian? I it's just... It doesn't mm. track, and I, I, I'm wondering whether there are counter teachings in the Bible, or whether they're like are other things people are using to justify it, or whether it really is just human greed. I, I think there's actually several things going on with that. I, part of it is, I suspect, just the the existence of utilitarian and liberal ideologies, which, whilst having a basis in the West, at least in Christian thought are not necessarily inherently Christian. I've got a topic written down for a ramble that we might get to sometime of is God a utilitarian? Cause mm. I, I don't, I don't think that's true personally. Mm. Um, so I think part of that goes to the you know individual rights and the part of that is the individual's right to accumulate wealth, which then mm. becomes the everybody sh- like it becomes a should, right? right Rather yeah. than a right. The other thing in like the English speaking Western world anyway, that has happened is like democracy and the welfare state and Mm. that kind of thing. And there's a whole bunch of stuff that we take for granted. Like, you know, living in Australia, like we have 
imperfect universal healthcare, mm. right? Um, and we have imperfect universal education. Like theoretically, everybody has the same access to mm. primary school, high school, tertiary education based on ability and all of this kind of stuff. Um, and so there's a sense in which I, I don't think we see the need for charity in the same way because, and, and maybe this is the legacy of you know two thousand years of Christians you know being the first in Europe to set up hospitals and this kind of stuff, but that somebody should do something about that, and the, well, the, the, I, the government does this for us. Yeah, and who'd I, want to pay more tax to the to the wasteful government who won't yeah, do it yeah, as well yeah. as the private sector and blah blah blah. Yeah, yeah. I, I just. And yeah, I wonder whether and, it and is. And you a... even see that, sorry, okay. in charities, right? Like a lot of Christian charities, there, there is some concern in churches that they've been hollowed out because they've essentially become service delivery agencies for the state. Mm. And they don't get heat. Like, I, I won't name names, but there are like Christian welfare agencies who get way more in government grant funding than they get in individual donations. Yeah. So that kind of warps it. The picture as well. Sorry, go on. No, I I, I totally get that. I, I I wonder whether there's a kind of clash of values here, right? Where you know, I the, the other thing I thought about with this was that it's it it's almost in our society become a marker of moral good to be wealthy. You know that that it's this it's this thing of like three three words Donald J Trump. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. That like that you know that that wealth is you know that the wealth are more worthy and better, and there's a yeah, you know, and and this is tracking back yeah, yep. in Western Europe quite a long way, hundreds and hundreds of years. But yeah, you know, this idea kind of um, connected up with nobility and so right, on. Right, exactly. Yeah. Right. But they, well, yeah, it is connected with nobility, right? The blue blood kind of thing, where it's like, well, the only people that are worth classifying as people and giving votes to, and that are worth you know putting any attention to, are the wealthy noble people, and everyone else is just kind of scum and whatever. We don't care about them. And and again, like I go back to the Middle Ages, uh, and you know, the again, how do you have nobility <laughs> in a place that is so so Christian, where it's like you're saying no, we we all believe in Jesus, and Jesus said to like you know feed the poor and whatever else, except for serfs. Serfs don't count. Yeah. They're only 80% of the population, whatever. Well, and, and I think I think this is what kind of Basil's getting at because, like, so the nobility is, I think, I, I think not created by Christianity. It's just not disrupted by Christianity mm. enough, right? Like, sure. so Basil, if I'm remembering his biography correctly, like, comes from a noble family, and his sister ends up setting up one of the first monasteries, I think, and possibly an orphanage as well, and this kind of stuff. Like, so the family practice what they preach in a bunch of ways. Um, and he he's got another sermon from around the same time as this one called "I Will Tear Down My Barns," mm. which is basically again having a go at the landowners for like, guys, people are starving, and you have crap loads of grain in your barns saved up for a rainy day give it to them now please so yeah, yeah. And, and how that how that happens is really like it's a human nature thing i think mm -hmm. and i think we probably um we don't like being confronted by jesus if mm -hmm. i can put it that way um like we want the the nice gentle jesus loves me this i know and isn't that all lovely um, but it's a little 
concerning when we think about, well, how does Jesus want us to live? And mm. um, yeah, how how does how do prosperity gospel churches grapple with this? That's an excellent question, and um, I don't know that I'm the right person to to be answering that question because I feel as, like as I'm just going to give you a closest, caricature as the closest to uh, a to prosperity gospel <laughs> Christian here, but out of you and I. Uh, which like, yeah, so, who's the closest? You, you, you sure? I, you sure? I, 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 you're at least a Christian, uh, but like you know, like, yeah. I, I just like how does how does someone of the kind of Hillsong Prosperity Gospel Church look at the teachings of Jesus and look at this sermon and justify their? Like, do they just go Basil's wrong? Like how how do they do that? Yeah, I, I think they and and I wouldn't want to lump in Hillsong or certainly not everyone who attends Hillsong into the Prosperity mm, Gospel sure. bucket. Um, but but I think I, th- I think it's just yeah more or less ignoring kind of Jesus in a way like this is why the rest of the church has an issue with it because the, 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 this is one of the things of scripture right like of Christian scripture is that there's a bunch of stuff that's kind of apparently contradictory like you read the Psalms which were you know written hundreds of years before Jesus and you get the impression that God is going to reward the good people with long life and wealth and stuff. And sometimes it's a, well, it doesn't look like this now, but it's going to happen. So it's all kind yeah. of going to be okay. And, and then you see Jesus and he's just, he gives you a completely different picture of that. And and that's part of what Basil's doing in this sermon, right? Like mm. he's, he's giving you a, um, a different picture of what wealth actually looks like, like a, a line that just happens to be in front of me on the page here. Um, when I enter the house of a man who is tasteless and nouveau riche, which, you know, love the translation, and see it shimmering with every kind of flowery crass trinket, I apprehend that this man has acquired nothing more valuable in his life than visible things. But while he gives what is soulless a facelift, he possesses an unbeautified soul. Like, you know, that kind of Jesus gives us a different understanding of what wealth looks like mm. um, and you know what beauty looks like for that matter and, mm. and other things like that uh, and and I suspect that if you're going with the whole hey God's going to reward the good people by giving them wealth and the good things that that you've missed Jesus in some way you're dealing with kind of more of an abstract mm. idea of God um, yeah mm. certainly not with the idea that God is revealed in a man who is, for all intents and purposes, a failure and mm. you know put to death as a criminal. Like on that on that basis, you should be like happy to be a criminal in a yeah, way. Yeah. And and the early church do this. Like mm. this is some of the martyrs are like, hey, you're calling me a criminal because of my religious beliefs or whatever, and you're persecuting me, you evil Romans. That's okay because they persecuted Jesus. Mm. Like, yeah. Like St. Paul says, um, I carry the um, marks of Christ on my body, which is generally interpreted as mean, dude got beaten up sometimes. Yeah. Like, mm. yeah. Can I um can I share with you another sick burn here? Oh, who, uh, it's full of them. Yeah, full of the more burns. we share and, and, the and, sermon, the better. And, and this is um this is the another very very Buddhist sick burn. He goes, but I am poor, you say, and I'll vouch for you. For he who is poor, who lacks much. And much are you lacking because of unfilled, unfillable desire. Yep. Yeah. 
<laughs> just like, yeah, like, oh, you want to say you're poor? Yeah, you know, you're probably right. You are poor because you want too much. And you can never have enough, right? Yeah. Like, and and this is the thing with what, like, you look at people who have their you know twenty, thirty, forty billion dollar, like, what, what, like, yeah. Mm. What what do you do with that? What do you do? And, and, and and people just want to keep getting more. And it's almost like it it's almost Twitter. like cravings, and you know, yeah. wanting to follow those cravings might lead you to some bad things. <laughs> Whereas you know, like, where's where's the harm in wanting to love other people more? Right. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and and I think it's a thing of like yeah the. I think there's it. It's speaking about that kind of that addictive nature of wealth, right? That uh, you know, you get some wealth and you want more wealth, and it's, and it is a thing, right? It's like that. One hundred percent. Yeah, the, yeah. The the people who do accumulate wealth in this way, I think, really do. You get stuck in that mindset, right? Yeah. And 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 honestly. From what I've perceived, I mean, you know, I'm I'm thoroughly middle class these days. Actually, I have another point to make about that in a second. But um, you know, from what I've perceived. I don't know anybody who I can hand on heart say, yeah, I know this person is wealthy. I know this person is rich. And who I look at and I go, that person is genuinely happy. Yeah. Right? I, I just don't. And I, I don't know many, but I know a few. There, there was a really interesting article in The Guardian, mm. um, someone who is a psychologist mm. to the rich, making this comment about how kind of you can never trust other people. And like just the, mm. the disparity that it brings, which is um, on their take, like why all the rich hang out with each other on their super yachts and the whatever, because these are the only people that get me yeah, yeah. because there's such an imbalance in all of my other relationships. Right. And, and yeah. it's this thing where it's like, I just, you know, you, you get in this, this scarcity mindset that I think just like genuinely makes you unhappy. And like, it's so hard to have that level of wealth and also, have the 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 mental and emotional things that actually will make you happy in life. I yeah. so I I had a friend once who who was quite wealthy, and we we, we were playing Pygmalion one time. Um, Pygmalion, you know the George Bernard Shaw. Um, uh, it's, it, My Fair Lady was based off it, but essentially Pygmalion, okay, right. the George Bernard Shaw play where um. Uh, uh, oh, you're British, playing a no, play. I thought you were playing a game. No, no, well, right? Okay, sorry. yeah, yeah, yeah. I, we were playing. Forgive a, my cultural. Um, no, no, no. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. When I say playing, we're actually in the play. It'll become. It'll become evident. In a okay. Second. Anyway, there's this play that you're adjacent to. This is, in some there's way. this play yep. that I'm referring yep. to, right? Yep. Um, all right. So I travelled a lot in my twenties, right? And one time, my friend, who was quite wealthy, uh, came from a pretty wealthy family, came to meet me in Malaysia. I was like, mm-hmm. "We're going to travel together, sure. right?" Yeah. Now we kind of cut a deal beforehand, where I was like, "Mate, I don't have much money, right?" And he was like. Well, yeah, I've never stayed anywhere other than a five-star hotel. I can't imagine slumming it in a hostel. And so we cut a kind of deal where he was like, look, you give me the money that you would normally pay for a night in a hostel and I will just pay for whatever yeah. I want to do, which, by the way, the best way to travel when you have wealth differences, right? <laughs> you pick the person with the bigger budget, the person with yeah. the smaller budget pays the person with the bigger budget their entire daily budget, and then the person with the bigger budget pays for everything. Yeah, because then no, they works. get to decide whether or not they want to pay extra for things. Yep. Um, anyway, um, so I was staying in a very nice hotel uh, for like the first time in my life. Was yeah, would never normally stay here, um, and you know, and 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 essentially we, we took it as an opportunity to play this game where he was like, "Let's pass you off as rich." It was kind of like, oh, like, like, yeah, like yeah. let me teach you all of the trappings <laughs> that people who are super wealthy do, so you can kind of like you know 
you can kind of pass, right? Yeah. Um, and the big thing that he taught me, the big thing that he was like, you know, kind of pointing out was that the people with ostentatious flashy wells mm-hmm. are never really the ones yes. who are super rich because yep. they're often aspirational. They're often trying to prove something, you know, and the people who are super rich are actually the ones that are very modest in how they dress and what they do and that kind of stuff because it's normal to them. Mm-hmm. But also because they're all stingers. So he was like, we were at breakfast one morning and he was like, you know, he's like, uh, he's like, quick quiz, who in this room is super wealthy, right? Yeah. Um, and yeah, I had a few guesses, whatever else. And he was like, and he pointed me out this one family. He's like, that family right there is super wealthy. And you want to know why? Because they are going to the buffet, taking a bunch of food, putting it in napkins and taking it back to the hotel room so they can have snacks <laughs> later. It's like, that's just the mindset of the, the super wealthy, yeah. right? It's these people who, even when you have millions and millions and millions of dollars and it doesn't matter to you, you're still scrimping and saving every single cent because that's kind of how you got there. It, it reminds me, do you know the Sam Vimes theory of boots? No. This is from um, Terry Pratchett's oh, Discworld. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, and it runs roughly like this. If you have a rich person and a poor person, um, the poor person can only afford 50 bucks on boots and the rich person can afford 100 bucks on boots. So the poor person buys a $50 pair of boots and they last for two years or so. And then they have to spend 50 bucks on another pair of boots and so on and so forth. The rich person spends 100 bucks on a pair of boots and they last for 10 years, yeah. right? Like, yeah. It's yeah. a thing, yeah. And, and this is absolutely a thing in like uh, European aristocracy and this mm. kind of stuff of like not even necessarily just the, the stinginess, but also like you've got a whole lot of fixed assets as opposed mm. to liquid assets. So you've got all of this wealth, but not necessarily a heap of cash, mm. which kind of goes back to Basil's point about the hoarding, right? Yeah, right. Like, like the, the more you hoard it, the less you actually have yeah, of yeah. it. Yeah, you, you like, have all this estate, but you can't enjoy it because you can't afford to pay for it. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Exactly. Just sell some of the estate. Like, you know. <laughs> How about move to a smaller house? You know, yeah. I, I, so I did want to go back and make the point about my own wealth for a second here because this is actually sure. a, an interesting personal reflection that I've had recently. Um, which is, you know, so I, I grew up quite poor, right? Like, you know, um, we were, you know, we, we were effectively homeless at a various, at certain points in my life. Yeah. Um, you know, and so I definitely grew up in a world which did not have a lot and was often in need and was often in need of the generosity of others. Um, and now I have a well-paying job. I am thoroughly middle-class. Um, you know, I, um, you know, I, 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 Absolutely, I'm earning more money now than was even conceivable as an option to earn yep. when I was when I was younger, right? And it's interesting, you know. I, I am, you know, I. It's interesting to observe the transition between the two, right? Because I think you know you can make that transition and just go, oh, great, this is amazing. Now I have heaps of money, and now I'm just going to like you know enjoy being wealthy, right? But I, I I've tried very much so to you know keep to my values and keep to my principles and you know the buddhist teachings have helped a lot here where you know even as i have become thoroughly middle class i am trying to still behave and you know live in a way that is that is still really quite you know um that, that is still in line with the teachings and you know, the other teachings that profess poverty that profess mm-hmm. you know yeah you, you shouldn't go and you know just go you know, be ostentation and have lots of gold things and, and that kind of stuff, right? And an interesting shift that I've done really, really recently is it's actually not, you know, I, I do all the standard things of like, you know, donating to charity and doing the, um, the, the, um, uh, 
the effective altruism kind of stuff and, and, and all this kind of, although, although again, that's another conversation with Sam Bateman free and effective <laughs> altruism. But anyway, I, you know, I, I was doing it before it was cool. Um, but the, 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 the point, the point though is less about actually how I, how I engage in kind of the giving side of it, but actually more about how I engage in my own spending of my own wealth and my own kind of, you know, connection to uh, my own understanding of myself as somebody with wealth. And for me, the, the shift that I made, I think it was when I turned 30 and I turned 30 and I had done a pretty good job throughout my life of setting myself up financially and you know, being middle-class, but also making some decent financial decisions yep. and all that. And I, I stopped and I real and I had a moment where I went, this is actually a choice point yeah. because I can. This is the stinginess of right, the yeah. super like, wealthy, like, right? Like, like, yeah. Like, I, yeah. Everyone who knows me knows that I was a stingy bastard for all of my 20s. Like, <laughs> I was the stingiest bastard you ever want to meet. Um, and, and yeah, and, and I needed to be, right? Because I didn't yeah. have any money. And, and you know, as I got more money, I just stayed in that same habit of being a stingy bastard because like that I didn't have any, uh, yeah, I had money then, but I was still in that habit. And I kind of stopped and went to myself and went, look, you could continue to save. You could continue to be this stingy. You could continue to live in this way that is quite restrictive. Um, and you would probably end up with a heap more money. I would yeah. probably end up in the upper class if I kept doing that the rest of my life, right? And it was this, you know, you could set yourself up for life in the ways that everyone says you should do. Or you could say that you've got enough. And yeah. you could say that actually I've got a good financial security net I've got a well-paying job that I'm very unlikely to lose anytime soon that like I could um, just say to myself, you know what? I don't want to go the other end. I don't want to go and be ostentatious and spend all my money and just throw it all away, but I don't need to be so stingy. And I yep. can actually choose to live my own life in a way that is much more about, you know, using money that I have for opportunities to enjoy it, to share with others, to contribute to my community to to be part of something that I wouldn't otherwise want be able to be part of and actually you know maybe that is the better approach to how to actually live and it's it's not to be like it's not like I'm giving all my money away which I, I could do and I could still survive pretty fine but it's I'm shifting how I'm choosing to spend my own money which I feel like is much more in line with you know, if I'm going to be a Buddhist that's middle class, that's much more in line with being a Buddhist that's middle class as opposed to just living a life of poverty but just having a bank account that's ticking up for no reason. I think there's a couple of things that go along with that, right, which is uh, the other thing is also, well, who can you share that with, right? right. Like I, I can do this stuff or that stuff or, or whatever. Um, and Basil talks a little bit about like not leaving leftovers mm. to other people, which I I personally think is just a super important thing, right? Like, right, and and it's that thing where it's like, I yeah, if I'm giving you my leftovers, then I'm almost kind of just you know, I, I'm only giving you my excess rather than actually no, I want to share this with you, right? I mm -hmm. I one of the things I love to do these days is to shout my friend's dinner is to yeah. you know i have a friend i'm traveling with soon who this is being like the friend you traveled with right right like, exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's the now now i'm in the opposite world right where i'm traveling with a friend and they're saying oh can we stay at this place because it's cheaper and i go well how about we just stay at the place you want to stay at and i'll just cop the extra right yeah. and like and that's fine you know yeah and there's a great line in here about the leftovers like in your case you had in excess all your life and that's what you're presenting to god right mm. like it's kind of like riffing off Jesus, whatever you did for the least of these, you did it for me. Mm. And so like 
why would you, you're essentially presenting leftovers to God? Uh, this is about actually wills, I think. Mm. And it's like, oh, I'll give it away after I've died. He's like, well, what if other people do things to your estate after you've died or, mm. yeah, or yeah. this kind of stuff? Yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, actually, that, that does remind me of a time a Christian and Buddhist walk into a bar. Oh, yeah, go for it. Yeah. Uh, and Christian and Buddhist walked into a bar. Uh, and they excellent. Um, yeah, they, they shouted everyone drinks. They did, yeah, they did. Um, no, they, they walked into a bar and they um, genuenely. They, if you come to the bar, we we'll we'll buy drink. a drink. Yeah. I, I, Jacob has to buy me a drink at at, at the start <laughs> of every bar session. That, that is a rule that we have. Um, but um, so yeah, they, they walk into this bar and they run into Nazrudin. Excellent. Nazrudin's at the bar, uh, and yeah, Nazrudin's looking look, look, looking like he's looking like he's been on a journey. And you go, Nazrudin, like like just a small town guy. <laughs> like, <laughs> what, what happened here? You, you, you like you've seen something? And Nazrudin goes, oh well, you know what? I um yeah, I I I, I went to heaven today. And like, oh yeah. really? Wow, okay. Uh, and there was like, and you know, and, and Nazrudin's like, well, look, you know, and so I went to heaven, and um you know, got got turned away. And he's like, oh, why did you get turned away? And he's like, well, I, yeah, I, I'm Nazrudin, right? Uh, yeah, you might think I'm silly, but I'm a pretty wealthy guy, actually. So, you know, I was, I was like, I, I, was, I was going to heaven. And I went, you know what? I, I'm going to try and take some of my wealth with me to heaven, mm. right? So, you know, I had all these gold bars. And I, you know, packed all my gold bars in my suitcase to heaven, popped in my suitcase, went up to heaven. Uh, and, I, and I rocked up to heaven. Uh, and and, and St. Peter, um, you, know, you know, pulled me aside and said, hey, mate, you know, welcome to heaven, Nazrudin. Great to have you here. You're, you're on the list. But you can't you can't bring that suitcase in with you. You, 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 you can't bring stuff with yeah. you to heaven. And it's not like, how it goes. Yeah, you know, it's like no, no, no. It's like, but like I, I you know, th- th- this is really important to me. I, I got to bring it. And 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 Saint Peter's like, look, if it, if it's important enough, I'll let you bring it. But like, show me what it is. Like, I got to do the luggage check. I got to, to check it up, right? And so and so, open the suitcase. And Saint Peter sees all the gold bars and goes, "You brought pavement." <laughs> <laughs> So he rejected me and sent me back down. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah, that's genuinely yeah, yeah. good. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Yeah. Um, can we do a, a little bit of a Christian and Buddhist like life advice? I mean, you kind of did go, go, a little go, bit go, there. Go. Um, I think there's t- two things that I found kind of helpful in thinking about giving, right? Like, And the first was um, advice that I was given at uni, which is, you know, you, you can be generous no matter where you are on the wealth mm. spectrum, right? Um, and so the suggestion there was, you know, we're working part-time and doing uni and all of that stuff to work out what your income was and a percentage of that to give mm. to where it could be the church or charities or mm. whatever. And then as your income increases, just keep the percent the same. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's like, you know, as you get more money because you've got better jobs, you're giving more and then when you've got, kids and someone's you know the partner's not working full-time or whatever and your income goes down and you're giving less and like it just mm. works really well um so life hack for can how I, to be generous can i also throw yeah. one in there which is um i want to th- chuck in a massive advocacy plug for give directly uh which is a charity that essentially does cash transfers to poor people in various parts of the world that yeah. is scientifically proven to be the most effective way to end poverty uh, more than any, yeah, more than yeah. any other program or anything else, the they've done studies. Um, direct cash transfers to those in need is the best way to give, um, and you know it cuts out all the admin costs, but also 
uh, you know, Shakara people know what they need and they'll <laughs> buy it themselves. Um, so, you know, it's, it's agency, it's everything. So, yeah, please, um, I, I think givedirectly.org or there's, I think that's the main one, um, but just, or Google give directly and you will find a way to do that. But if you are going to give, I will absolutely advocate to do give directly. That's interesting. I'll check that out. Yeah. 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 Um, but the other, the other one which is a, a little bit more hardcore than just take a percentage and would give give directly lots of funds is what john wesley did have you heard of john Wesley? no so he was a um 18th century anglican preacher one of the founders of methodism mm. um and anyway he one year his income was 30 pounds because that was what mm-hmm. income was in those years and he spent 28 of it on living expenses and so had two pounds to give away and the next year his income doubled so it's 60 pounds. So he still lived on 28 pounds and mm. gave 32 pounds away. The year after his income was 90 pounds. Can you guess what he did? Uh, he lived on 87 pounds, lived no. it up and then gave the rest away. No, he lived on 28 pounds. And, yeah. and so th- eventually like he became quite famous as a preacher and whatever. Yeah. One year, his income, 1,400 pounds yeah. and he lives on 30 odd. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, so your your standard of living shouldn't rise; your standard of giving rises. Hey, very good. Uh, well, uh, I would encourage all listeners to give generously uh, this podcast and to give not give us money. The gift that costs you nothing. Exactly. We don't need your money, but your your friends need this podcast. So please, please send it along to them, uh, and yeah, spread the word. One hundred percent. Spread the word as well about Kevin McLeod. Who gives music away? Like that's his thing. Yeah. He does Creative Commons licensed music, and we love it. Thank we love, you, Kevin. We love Kevin. Um, and yeah, please email ChristianBuddhistBar at gmail.com if you uh, if you need anything. We'll, we'll, we'll send you something. We'll, we'll send you a present. If, genuinely, or giving advice. If you've yeah. got giving, Jamal will send you a present. I'll send you a present, and Jacob will give you advice. <laughs> See you next week.